Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Welcome to another podcast week. I'm going to divulge the funny story, Maggie. So (laughs) I started this conversation with Maggie. I I was really there. I was in a um, Facebook group with a bunch of life coach school certified coaches. And there was an amazing thread. And I thought, huh, there's like three people here that I think would be a good fit for the podcast. This was maybe six weeks ago. And um, so I said, okay, I'm just going to be brave and I'm going to invite these three people because I think my listeners need to hear their wisdom. And then I put the wrong, I copied and pasted the wrong name on Maggie's invite. (laughs) And she was so generous and so graceful with me. um, And I was so embarrassed. And it just turned out to be perfect. We've had a really fun, honest, real conversation ever since. Um, And so now she's here and we're actually recording. And I won't call you whatever name I happen to call you in that email. (laughs) Maybe Sarah. Actually, I recorded with Sarah this week. Love it. So, you know, winning. (laughs) Totally winning. So welcome, welcome, Maggie. Um, today's guest is Maggie Reyes. That is who I am talking about. I invited her to the podcast because her area of expertise is relationships, particularly marriages from my understanding. Um, and I find that most of us after abortion, which is simply another sort of semi-traumatic for some people experience in life, right? There's lots of things that interrupt our relationships and our marriages in a way that's like, who are we and what's next? Mm -hmm. And I really find that abortion is one of those things. So um, having you here today, I know 100% will speak to so many listeners who either in the past struggled and lost a relationship or are currently wondering what you know, how do we navigate these waters? So welcome here. Welcome to the podcast. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and I'm going to let you tell the listeners what you think is important about who you are and how you got here um, for them to listen to the conversation. Absolutely. So thank you for that beautiful introduction. I love being an example of like nothing in your life has to be perfect to be awesome, (laughs) right? It's one of the things I say all the time. So I love that that's how we started. It's like messy is good. Yeah, let's just go messy. (laughs) Bring it. And giving each other grace. If we want to live on a planet where we all give each other grace, then we go first, right? Yeah. Like, oh, hey, you did want to talk to me. Awesome. In that case, hi. Totally. <laughs> right? So uh, my name is Maggie Reyes. As Amanda mentioned, I am a life coach who specializes in marriage and marriage mentoring. I will talk a lot and give examples from a marriage perspective today, but I want to just invite everyone who isn't married or isn't in a long-term relationship 
to know that relationship is relationship. So as we talk about different things, if it's your relationship with a sibling, with a parent, with a cousin, with a very good friend who maybe doesn't understand your choice or isn't being as supportive as you imagine them to me, we have all gone through the thing where we made a big decision about something and the one person we thought was going to support us the best and the most turned out to be not the person. <laughs> the best the most. So whatever situation you're going through as you listen to this podcast, I'll mention it as we go throughout, but I just want to make that invitation from the beginning that a lot of the principles that we're going to talk about, they're the same, whether there was some, if there was someone you love intimately, whether that's a partner in a husband, wife or wife, wife or whatever combination you have, yeah. or whether it's in a different combination. So I think that's important. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. And so you are, um, you've been coaching for how long? And you are a master coach and now have other certifications under your belt. Do you not? Because so I are, love it. This, you, yeah. this is open book here, Maggie. Like, I love it. Bring on all the talk. <laughs> I, I am a big fan of continuing education and I've done a lot of continuing education in my time. Let's put it that way. <laughs> come on, come on, spill it. Um, so I'm certified through Life Coach School, which is where we met, and yes. the cognitive principles are the ones that I use so often in my training. I just recently completed uh, additional training at the Tantric Institute for Integrated Sexuality, which is really somatic and body-based. So if you guys who listen to the podcast think about um, creating things from the top down, like from our brain down, and then from the bottom up, which is from our body up to our brain. Basically, I like both of those things, and I like to be able to go totally. back and forth between those things and help our our brain and our body just connect. And obviously, our brain is part of our body, but sometimes we forget yeah. that. <laughs> so yeah. I like to help that connection happen. Um, so yeah, I've done continuing education with the Gottman Institute as well. So they research marriages that work and they research marriages that don't work and then they create all of these interventions based on their research and I'm very influenced by their work so they have like a level one level two level three level one just anyone who's listening who's interested in this anyone can go to it just sort of oh, goes nice I didn't know yeah. that yeah. yeah it goes through their research and then levels two and three is really for therapists which I am not because there you do practicums and stuff like that yeah um and then there's a relationship psychologist I really love called Esther Perel you might have heard mm. of her she's a very popular TED talk and some great books and some great podcasts that she does and she did a training in New York a couple years ago on how to help your clients overcome infidelity when there's been infidelity mm. in a relationship and so um I trained with her so I probably could talk I love it no it's so good all I the just, different things I'm not like all about the like how many letters are after yeah. your name but sometimes I think it's really important to say like I've been doing this work a long time from yeah. multiple avenues Right. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I'm going to mention one last one. Yeah, tell me one more thing. So, um, you know, when you have like a nerdy crush on someone where you just like, you don't want to date them or anything. You just love that they're alive. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right? So there's a brilliant, brilliant psychologist named Michelle Weiner Davis. She was on the team that helped develop 
uh, brief solution focused therapy, which is kind of like, I think about it as the godmother of coaching. Oh. <laughs> um, and so she was on the team that helped develop that, but she's a marriage expert and very renowned. And I always think like she graduated college around the time I was born. So you can just imagine <laughs> all the things that she's seen. And um, was it last year or the year before I got to spend a week in Boulder in one of her marriage trainings? And mm. it was so wonderful to just be in the room with someone that you have a nerdy crush on and then my favorite thing from that experience was there's so many things that she does intuitively that she sort of adds to the research of the psychology and I was like oh I do that too <laughs> and that was just fun I love it I love it am I like seeing a picture of you and Oprah over your shoulder Cause, so yes cause you need to talk about that just a tiny bit before we begin I love it <laughs> Like, whatever serves your <laughs> listeners, if they love Oprah too, they'll love the story. It's all good. <laughs> um, so I was a latchkey kid, right? And Oprah was my TV mom. <laughs> I would come home after school. I'd have Oreos and milk and Oprah. <laughs> that was oh, like the my routine. goodness. And I can really tell you, like, so many things in my life. Like, Oprah bought T-shirt sheets. And then I bought t-shirt like <laughs> oprah started her gratitude journal and then i started her gratitude journal like all roads lead to oprah and literally all roads lead to, to oprah. oprah very literally we're having this podcast interview today and i can thread it back directly to oprah oh my god it's so, <laughs> so good oprah did a episode on vision boards yeah many 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 years ago right before and anyone I, was doing before, vision boards before anyone was doing them yeah and i googled vision boards yeah. and the person who became my very first coach had done an article on vision boards which i of course read and then i read all her other articles and then i was like who is this woman and i love her her name is christine kane christine kane did a, an event several years later where the guest speaker was brooke castillo Stop it. This is literally all Rosie to Oprah. This so is Oprah, how, okay. This is how it happens. She did an episode on Vision oh, Boards. Man. I found Christine. Christine had Brooke as her uh, live speaker. So my very first experience of um, our mutual mentor, which is, you know, the founder of the school we both trained, was she was teaching the self-coaching model to a group of people in this audience who had never heard it before. She ran through some, uh, like, some models with a person who was going through a thing. And I remember she was wearing these like fabulous boots. I'm like, who's this woman with the boots? Like, what is this thing <laughs> that is Brooke? And that was my very first experience with Brooke. And I, I, the podcast. Okay, wait, stop. Who's this thing that is Brooke? <laughs> Brooke, right? Like, what is this? <laughs> All right, wait. Okay, so keep going. How did this lead to a picture of you and Oprah? So at the time, um, yeah. by the way, Brooke's podcast didn't exist. It was just Brooke. Yeah. <laughs> doing her thing. How is it possible? Isn't it amazing? So that's like all roads lead to Oprah. That's how that really is Oprah. So now the picture with Oprah is she went on tour about um, two years ago or three years ago. She did something called the Life You Want Tour. Mm. She came to Miami and there was a VIP option where you could just buy a VIP ticket and then take a picture with her. Yeah. VIP experience, yeah. which of course I did. But the best part of the story is not that. The best part of the story is the day of the event I was going with a friend of mine and she had bought the tickets right and then I had reimbursed her for my ticket and so she got a phone call from team Oprah 
This team said, Oprah. from Team Oprah, somebody on Team Oprah said, hey, we're calling you because we need to change your seats. And we wanted to let you know that we're going to have to move you from the seats you originally purchased. And my friend, who is like a ball of loving, loving light, said, of course, anything Oprah needs. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. And so we get to the venue like a couple of hours later. And they, the usher goes to seat us, and we were walking. We had floor seats, so we're walking down to the floor. So if you guys imagine, you know, walking in, walking down, and then you walk forward and forward and forward, and we keep walking and walking and walking. And it turns out the seats they changed us to were front row. So good. Not amazing. So good. Everything happens as it's supposed to. That is amazing. And then later in the day, when we looked back to the seats where we were going to be in, our seats was like Deepak Chopra, Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh my goodness. Like all the guests were I'm like, oh, we would have been there. <laughs> but they had to sit them all together. I could right. just see. So I was like, and we got front row because like oh, Elizabeth Gilbert goodness. needed my seat is the story I made uh, up about it. <laughs> so good. So good. All right. Super yeah. fun. Well, clearly we're gonna have fun talking in the next yes. uh, <laughs> Three minutes we have left. No, there you kidding. go. <laughs> um, okay, so tell me just quickly, what led to relationships and marriage? Like, at what point in your life were you like, "That's my focus. That's my purpose. That's my work." So I'm so glad I told you all the other things first because this is perfect. I was in a room with Christine Kane. She was doing a workshop where the name of the workshop was "Up Level My Purpose." Hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, level my purpose. That sounds like a good idea. I want to do that. <laughs> at the time, I worked in HR, and I had no intention of having a business at all. Yeah. But I was sitting in this workshop where it turns out that the whole workshop was about having a business. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I better pick something for the weekend because, like, I already paid for this. I'm here all weekend. I flew from Miami to North Carolina. I better just make the most of it. So um, I thought I had just I – had, I think I had just gotten married. Yeah, it must have been 2008. I had just gotten married and she was on stage saying, what could you talk about forever and never get tired of talking about? And here was my frustration. Here's how the whole marriage thing was born. I had just gotten married and I had realized that the wedding industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, right? There's yeah. seven ways to fold a napkin. There's like every flower that you've ever imagined, like all these things. Then there was like marriage counseling for when you're in crisis and there was literally nothing in the middle. Right. Like if I, if I'm like a, a human who has never been married, which I hadn't been and had did not want to mess it up. and Like had no idea what I was doing. There was nothing for me. <laughs> it was Wild. like the wedding and then the dire. <laughs> there was nothing in the middle. So sitting the in the wedding room, and then save the marriage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or get divorced. Right. Right. So then, from there, I started, what I started before coaching was a blog. So I used to run a blog called mm. Matter and Married, and I used mm -hmm. to write all kinds of stuff. And that was really my initial intention was like, what about all of us who are like in the middle and we just don't want to mess it up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do? Yeah. And literally there are people who are my friends today, uh, an LCS coach named Belinda Smith, I very vividly remember, was in that room when like this whole thing was born did she choose her purpose in that room too <laughs> no she had her purpose from before <laughs> so i love that because actually this is really important and we are i promise going to talk about relationships but yeah. 
a lot of times people are like, I don't know my purpose. I don't, you know, I think I should have one, but I don't know what it is. And um, the way Brooke talks about it a lot is really quite simple. Just pick one. Yes. Just, just choose it. Move just on. Decide. Yes. Just stop with all the nonsense of the angels are going to come down and they're going to tap you on the shoulder and embrace you in your purpose. And then you get to live your magical life. I think that a lot of people after abortion are feeling lost and looking for purpose. And so we are going to talk about marriage and relationships, but I love this example of you essentially didn't go in wanting a business, chose this purpose out of nowhere, and it has created a pretty significant career for you. Like, I mean, go Google Maggie, like I will link to her, but I mean, you've written all over the place. You've coached tons of people. You've been on TV, like the whole kit and caboodle. And you really just plucked a purpose and said, this is it. I'm going to go with it. Maybe some people would say the angels did come down and wrap you up in that room that day and give you your purpose. But really, like, it wasn't what you were looking for. It just was something you chose. So here's what I want to say, because... Although I've never had an abortion, I have felt lost in my life, right? Mm. We have that in common. And I think that when we look at the root causes or the root feelings or the root experiences, they're all universal. We've all felt lost. We've all felt bereft. We've all felt grief. We've all felt like, oh, I'm doing the right thing that feels so right for me and nobody gets my choice. Like so many things that are common to the experience of someone who has an abortion in our sort of modern, you know, American society um, are very common that we experience in other ways. So here's what I want to say is when I got married, I went through a very interesting experience with feeling lost, which was Mm. this. Um, One of my dreams was to get married and have a husband. I was a child of divorce. It was, it was literally like my, my very far away dream that felt Mm. like something that's so, you know, almost impossible to have kind of thing. And when I met my husband, I felt a most incredible sense of rightness like mm-hmm. the right person the right time the right thing like just when you feel and anyone listening to us now it's like maybe you feel that way with a family member or maybe you feel that way when you're working or maybe you feel that way in a hobby or if you're creating art where you just feel like this you're at one with the universe kind yeah, of yeah, feeling right yeah. So I felt that with my husband. And then the moment I felt that with my husband, I immediately noticed all the places in my life where that wasn't true. Yeah. Right? True. Yeah. And in that moment, it was a moment of feeling really lost. Like, oh, wait, I created this whole life that has like all these things in it. And like these things don't feel right at all. Right. Now that I have this litmus for what does right feel like? Right. So I had been very lost and I had started on this journey, like the nerd that I am where I took aptitude tests, I took the strengths finder, I took all those things, like, who am I, right? All those things that are like, hope you figure that out. Looking for the angels. Looking for the angels. So it's like, yeah, maybe the angels tapped me on the shoulder, but I had been like looking for them, ah. <laughs> right? All that time. So when I was sitting in that room with Christine, that was a product of me thinking, what's next for me? What's next for me? And, and asking that question, Mm-hmm. until I found basically a plausible answer yeah <laughs> right yeah. and one of the things about me is when I um certified at the life coach school I actually graduated in 2012 I was I did not realize I was one of the first group that graduated but that's pretty yeah. cool 
And then I stayed in HR, which is what I did before, for years after Oh, that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, it plucked me and then all was... No, everything like I, fell into place. No, like I went through all kinds of adventures and roller coasters <sighs> and things that happened. And now we can look back and say, oh, she's been this. Right. Yeah. But I want to really normalize for people, even when you have that inkling, like, oh, I'm lost and this feels like it makes sense to me right now. Instead of looking for the big sort of like Oscar award looking like purpose. Yeah. For the little, this makes sense to me right now. Yes. Attending yes. this workshop, you know, talking to Amanda, yes. whatever that this makes sense to me right now is like, do that. Cause honestly, mm -hmm. that's how I got to all the other things that eventually became sort of bigger and more like, Oh, this is impressive, but it's not about that. It's about the feeling of rightness. Yeah. That's so important. Cause I, you know, a lot of people say to me, I have to make this mean something. Mm. I need to make this mean something mm -hmm. like I can't, I can't live with myself if this doesn't turn into something. Mm. And so, yeah, the way to turn it into something is not this one big gigantic leap off a cliff. It's just yes. like, what's the next thing that feels right? What's the next yes. thing that feels right? What's the next thing that feels right? Yeah. And it, and uh, yeah, if we look for this sort of big shiny meaning, that's like a recipe for a disaster. Like that doesn't happen that way. I've never, I've never met anybody where it happened that right. way at least, right? Yeah. It could be an outlier listening, but I doubt it. It's more like, I'm like, when I was like, this makes sense to me, or what's next for me? It's like, oh, I'm going to keep on looking for what is the meaning that feels most resonant and most valuable and most powerful. And if it takes me a while, that's okay. Nothing's wrong yeah. with me in the meantime. Yeah. And I think a lot, you look back and you go, oh, that's why I did that. And that's why yes. I did that. And that's why I did yeah. that. And now they're all coming together. And now they're all coming together. Exactly. Uh, okay. So good. All right. Well, we did come here to talk about nurturing relationships yes. after abortion. Yeah. So um, I think what happens for a lot of us, my relationship, I've been with my husband now since we were in high school. So, you know, 20 something years, yeah. um, 23, 24 years. And our relationship did get stronger. It did. It really like abortion really pulled us together, mm -hmm. but I was very aware mm -hmm. in the process that mm -hmm. anything could happen. Like <laughs> shit could hit the fan and this could break us. Mm -hmm. Somehow, and I was listening to Brooke's podcast. I was not even in self-coaching scholars. I was certainly not certified. Somehow I knew that if I chose to have my own back, mm -hmm. and if I chose mm -hmm. love over and over again, like as that next step, next step, next step, yes, yes. Th that was how I was going to get through. So yes. even when I was like fetal ball crying, yes. mad at him because all he did was donate the sperm, like, right, like in the worst of it, I just kept choosing to have my own back and follow love. Mm -hmm. So was my relationship just destined to stay together and get better? Maybe. But I do really think there were points where I just wanted to punch him in the face and run away. Like, it was hard. It was hard to go through such an intense, physical, emotional, maternal experience mm -hmm. and feel like he got the, like, 
easy card, right? <laughs> like, Which that's me the, here. Like that may or may not be true, right? You totally. You think, people listening might think, oh, he got the easy card, but here's this man with maybe a whole bunch of emotions he may never yes. have had before. He may not have words for them. He doesn't even know how to articulate it, even to even feel better. Like, let's just be clear that sometimes what we perceive as the quote-unquote easy card is just that they're going through a completely different experience that doesn't mean it's any less intense or any less real to them. Let's just put that in the room. Absolutely. So that was what it was, was me, my ability to scan way out and go, what might this be like for him? Mm -hmm. What does this look like for us? Mm -hmm. How, like, how am I all in my head and my ego right now? How do I drop out of that and have some, like perspective and compassion and mm-hmm. even just I remember and I still choose this in my marriage <laughs> choosing to not understand it's okay that I don't yes. know what he's going through like it's can okay. we pause there that's yeah. really important it's one of the yeah. things I teach my clients and whenever I teach it everybody always t- takes a deep breath <laughs> like, <laughs> right so here's yeah. one of the concepts I teach is understanding does not equal love yeah all of our society tells us that understanding equals love. Even Oprah, who is my, you know, <laughs> my, my imaginary <laughs> right? mentor, if you hear her talk, she says, everyone just wants to be seen and heard and understood. She said it like a thousand times, right? Yeah, yeah. But even Oprah can be wrong. <laughs> even Oprah can be, if you take one thing away from this podcast. <laughs> Just remember that. So here's the thing is we have been conditioned to believe that understanding and love are equal. And the moment we're able to understand that understanding and love are not equal, we can go straight to love. And I'm going to give yes. you some examples. Oh my gosh. Yes, please. <laughs> this is so important. And this is, again, this is one of those things that this is applicable for any relationship. Like I'm I'm talking about a a marriage situation, but it's really like your boss, your cousin, whoever, it doesn't matter. Think about the person you have trouble understanding right now (laughs) when I'm talking and notice that you don't have to understand them in order to love them. So um, Amanda and I are doing this interview on Zoom. I have no idea how Zoom works. Zero, (laughs) right? I love Zoom so much. It's amazing. That's so good. <laughs> right? What I do, and here's, here's the homework for everybody listening, is look around your life and label at least five to ten things that you don't understand, but you oh love. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Easy. So easy. Tell me. Well, first thing was like my Wi-Fi printer. Right? Still do not understand Wi-Fi. Like, what the heck? And... How does it get information from my computer into the printer and print it out? Like, no idea. No right? at all. And, but you love it, right? Isn't it amazing? Yeah. It's useful. Can't it's imagine great. imagine my life without it. See? Salt lamp. Yeah. I'm totally woo. I believe yeah. in the woo negative yeah. ion energy. Love it. Don't understand it. Why? <laughs> Why is salt better than sugar? Why don't we have sugar lamps? We don't know. <laughs> Electricity? Nope. Ah. Not even a clue cell phone yeah totally this is that's a great way to look at it yeah Yeah. so when we are able to identify right like airplanes why how does that Mm -hmm. work I don't know so many things where we don't understand the thing but we love them and then we come to a human and we say no but I in order to love that 
then I have to understand everything about how it works all the time. Yeah. And if I don't understand, then I can't love that person. And if that person's going to love me, yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> understand, or they don't love me, right? Yes. So and the for moment, them to love me, they do not need to understand what I'm right. going through. Yes. I wouldn't have identified that, but that was definitely a part of my healing and the strengthening in my marriage was he doesn't have to understand this. This is mine. Like this is mine. And there's beauty in that, even though it feels so alone. He doesn't have to. That understanding piece is like, okay, but he does need to do other things. So it's like, oh, if I want a hug, I need to be able to ask him for a hug and receive it. If I want to have a quiet night instead of going to a party because I'm not ready to party right now, I need to have whatever. He can be my partner. He can help me through it. He doesn't need to understand why I don't want to go to the party. That's irrelevant, right? So I had a client where I was explaining this one time and she said, but I don't want him to do things just because he loves me. I'm like, why not? <laughs> Let him do it just because he loves you, even right? if he has no idea why he's doing it. Totally. Yeah. That is so interesting, though, how our brains are like that. Like, I don't want him to do it just because I want him to understand. I want him to want to do it himself. It's like, right. But if that, that is that concept that he has to understand, he should be able to read my mind. He should know what this is like, even though he doesn't have a uterus. Right. Never carried a baby. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Actually, when I first reached out to you, um, you recommended a book to me called The Way Men Heal. Yes. And I have since recommended that to clients. Um, yeah. But, and I don't necessarily want to get into that book right now, yeah. but The Way Men Heal is a great, great yeah. book for understanding how different we really are and, and accepting those differences. And just one point from that book, it has many points. It's a short book. It's an easy read. I always um, highly recommend it is that women tend to heal from talking like we're talking right now. We share our interior world. We're very articulate and we have words to describe our interior world. We can very easily share in this way and it feels very healing to us. Men, not every man, but many men tend to heal through action right? They will go, you know, chop a tree or they will go play football or baseball or do something. And then my husband kayaks. So it's so funny, right? Like I'll get together with my girlfriends. We go to lunch, we sit around a table and we talk the whole time, right? This is our idea of fun, right? Totally. My husband will go out with his best friend and they'll go out in nature and they'll kayak. And they might say 10 words to each other the whole time. Like, hey, how you doing? Good, great, awesome, it's real. Like, like that's the, it, right? And that's their idea of fun and healing and their way of creating connection is, oh, we're going to do this and now we're going to turn this way and then we're going to turn that way. So what happens a lot with us as women is we think that men have to heal the same way we heal and there lies the problem. Yes, yes. And so he comes home from kayaking, having barely said a dozen words and feels amazing. Yes. And you come home from lunch, having said like thousands of words and you feel amazing. The point is not the kayaking or the words. The point is that you both come home feeling amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So good. All right. So another thing that comes up a lot is he made me. I did it for him. 
Mm. Right? There's like a million flavors of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he controlled me. Um, he guilt tripped me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to burden him. There's like a gazillion flavors of that. Mm -hmm. But it is this deep seated belief that the choice was not mine. Mm -hmm. It was his and I did it for him. Mm -hmm. And now I regret it. So what tools pop into your mind when I bring that very common dilemma up? Here's what I would say. Look for other places in your life where you feel like the choices aren't being made by you. Mm. Oh, my boss. Oh, mm -hmm. my cousin. Oh, my mother on the holidays. Yeah. But of course, I have to go to 54 events because, right? First of all, just look for it as an awareness is a way to build awareness that there are many things that people expect from us in life that are agreements that we make. Here's the difference. And here's how I like to explain it or think about it. I used to think about this when I worked in HR. There was a time that I wasn't really super happy at work. Like I was just working because I had to work, but I wasn't delighted every morning that I was going to work. And I had to reconcile my experience and my thought was, oh, I choose this. Mm. I choose this today. Mm -hmm. Today, I'm choosing mm -hmm. to go to work today. And what happens in marriages, what happens in relationships, what happens in jobs is we make a choice like the day we get married or the day we get hired or the day we get promoted. And then we make the choice that day, but we forget that we're making it every single day thereafter. It becomes yes. automatic. Yes. So it's like, let's just take a step back and notice that there's probably other automatic choices that you also want to question. Mm -hmm. Like you already made that choice. Mm -hmm. And that, um, the scenario you presented where I made, where I thought I was doing it because this person made me and now I regret having done it because I maybe would have made a different choice. In that scenario, the choice from that was already made, right? We can't go backwards in time, but what we can do is notice all the other places where we're allowing, quote unquote, allowing other people to make choices for us. And we can check in and say, wait, I'm choosing this, I'm choosing this, I'm choosing this. Do I still want these things, right? And in that way, you can make having made that choice, like let's take a step back and know you did make that choice for reasons that made sense at the moment you made the choice. Yes, exactly. One of the things I tell my clients a lot, and I think it really applies to everyone listening right now, is sometimes when we're in personal development or we're looking for healing or we want to feel relief, we will uncover something about ourselves that is not fun, right? It's not our most proudest decision-making thing that we ever did, right? And when we make that discovery, it's really critical to not make ourselves the villain Yeah. in that mm -hmm. moment, right? So if anyone listening to us is making themselves the villain mm -hmm. and then beating themselves up for having made a, a choice that they feel bad about. Here's what I invite you to do. I invite you to notice that in the moment that you made the choice, with the information available to you on that day, in that moment, you made the best choice you could. And that choice has helped bring you to this moment, listening to this podcast, questioning the rest of the choices you're going to make for the rest of your life. And if you find no other meaning from that choice, then simply that it invited you to question the rest of your choices, that alone will bring massive meaning and value and significance and legacy to having made that choice and then questioning it. Mm. Do you think that it's easier to blame him and make him the villain? 
Always. than it is to question yes. the villain in you, right? I mean, if we were doing models, which I do yeah, all the yeah. time with these yeah. clients, yeah. <laughs> and listeners don't necessarily, I do have a, a podcast about models, but um, if we were doing the work we do as life coaches, you know, we would make that connection. And so it's easier to blame him than yeah. it is to face the fact that you did make that choice. Like a hundred percent. Especially if you have no compassion for the choice. If you're like, yeah. that was the wrong one, then it's so much easier to blame someone else. But if you yeah. can cultivate compassion for the choice itself and say, that was the best choice we both made at that time. We thought yeah. it made sense. Then like when you can cultivate compassion for the choice itself, then you can then turn that compassion to you as a human and to the other person as a human too. Yeah. Yeah. And, but one <laughs> of my clients recently was like we, I don't know what we were talking about and she said oh Maggie this was all so much better when it was all his fault right <laughs> right so to just honor that that's it's happened, easier it's, it's a easier. lot easier when it's his fault yeah it feels easier but here's the deal if it's his fault there's nothing you can do about it you have no power yes, exactly right so then when I look at things, I don't look in terms of blame. I look in terms of ownership and responsibility. Yeah. Like, oh, but if I own the choice, then I can own my next choice. Yes. And that's a much more powerful place to be in life. It's just more useful. So much more useful. And it really does feel better, even though it feels like shit in that moment when you're like, yeah. I'm the villain. <laughs> and that's the thing where it's like, I wouldn't name anybody a villain. Like it's good for an example, but it's I like know, the yeah. villain in this story is really important. Yeah. And here's another way to look at that choice. Here's another lens. And this is a concept that I teach called team versus alliance. Many marriages, there's this phenomenon going on right now. It's called gray divorce where people in their like sixties and fifties are getting divorced at a higher rate than ever before. They're like mm. the highest divorce mm. rate. And I started sort of looking at this and pondering. And, and one of the things we do in our um, coach style is this thing called super thinking where we just sort of sit and think about things and see what comes up. And I started thinking about gray divorce. I'm like, why is that happening? And here's my hypothesis for why that's happening. And here's how it's relevant to this choice and, and how we think about this choice. When we're a team, we're making that choice together. Even if like, let's say for football, like he's the captain of the team and I'm like running the field or whatever, but we're making the choice together and I'm agreeing with the choice, right? Yeah. When we're an alliance, I imagine like the U.S. and the U.K., right? When our interests are aligned, we're best buddies. We're like, oh, I'm there for you. I'll send my soldiers. No problem. But when our interests are not aligned, it's like you're on your own, U.K. You fight that war. I'm not sending any soldiers over there. <laughs> oh, that is interesting. Yeah. So what we want, if we want a healthy, thriving, long-term relationship, we always want to cultivate team. We always want to think as a team. We always want to frame things through the, the mindset of a team. So if you're on a sports team and you think about in a sports team, we work to our strengths. We help each other. I'm not always the one with the ball. You're not always the one with the ball. Sometimes, even though I'm better at something, it's your turn to have the ball and it's better for the team that we take, take it in that direction as opposed to what's better for me. Yes. So in yeah. this whole great divorce thing, it's like, oh, those people never cultivated teams. So when they had things in common, the mortgage, the kids, the health insurance, the whatever, dance recitals, 
they were like the US and the UK. Oh, I have this in common. Great. They never cultivated teams. So the moment all those things ended, like the mortgage is paid off, the kids are in college, everything's done. They're just an alliance. They're like, oh, we got nothing in common now. I'm taking my soldiers and I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. So huh. when we look at the decision of to have an abortion. It's funny because when you said team versus alliance, I was like, well, alliance is the prettier word. <laughs> like my brain was like, well, it's so alliance just feels so lovely. But the concept makes total sense. Oh, so interesting. Actually, I was thinking when you said that, um, so I had my abortion after three kids. We were done having having kids, but he didn't want a vasectomy. So I had an IUD, it fell out. I didn't know it fell out. Mm-hmm. Hence I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um our team, mm-hmm. the vasectomy didn't, wasn't the best play mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. the abortion. Right. After the abortion, mm-hmm. team said, this is the best play. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So it is interesting. I mean, I use that example because it's the same procedure, same. Yes. Yes. Right? It's like at one point in the play, in the yes. marriage, yes. in the story, it yes. wasn't the best choice. Yes. And another, it was. Yes. And when you yeah. think about the scenario you gave before of, I made this decision for him and all the different flavors that comes into, mm-hmm. if you're saying, well, I was being a good teammate then, it seemed like a good idea then, it removes this shame and regret for making the position, for making the decision, because it's like, wait, as a team, at that moment, it really did yes. seem like the thing to do, and now that I have experience and other thoughts and I've considered different things, now it doesn't seem like the thing to do, and that's great, because now you have the benefit of that perspective and other choices that you make you'll bring that perspective into your choices i love the concept of choosing your partner over Mm -hmm. and over again yes like would i choose him again would i choose him again choose him again yes and sometimes what happens is i'll be in the heat of some emotion and i'll say would i choose him again and the answer is like no (laughs) i would not choose him again And then I take a minute and I breathe and I like think about all the other men I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I really would choose him again. Or write down, you know? I like the initial answer is no, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. choose him again. This is Mm -hmm. terrible. Mm -hmm. But when I really slow down and think Mm -hmm. about it, I 100% would choose him again. And I think the same thing happens with abortion. Like, Mm-hmm. In that moment of grief and guilt and regret and unprocessed shame, mm-hmm. you're asking yourself, would I choose it again? And your answer is no, I would definitely not choose it again. Mm-hmm. And then you slow down and you look at the decision you made as a team, the decision mm-hmm. you made as a woman, the decision you made as a mother, the decision mm-hmm. you made as a professional. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, I actually would. Mm-hmm. It's just like separating that like heat of the moment like yes. no i would not marry him again i would not get another abortion yeah i'm going wait a second this is these were these this was the situation yeah. and if i slow down i actually would have in the exact same situation i would have made the exact same choice love it yeah yeah oh my goodness okay is there i don't have anything else specific like popping out at me Is there another tool or anything you feel like a listener needs to hear? Um, 
before we wrap up? I would say um, one of the things I talk about a lot with my clients is self-trust. Oh, yeah. And so I would say that, you know, if you're listening to a podcast like this one, it's because there's something you want to create in your life around having peace around the decision that you made, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would really invite you, you know, all of our listeners to think about how much do I trust myself right now? And what would it look like if I did trust myself? Even if I made the decision for another person, like let's say, let's give you that as a given. You did make it for him. That's what he wanted. No problem. But I trusted myself that he was the partner for me at that time. I trusted myself that, right, that I was in that relationship for a reason. And I trust myself now that I'm making a new choice or a different choice or whatever it is, like really checking in with I like to think about trust and so many other emotions as a muscle that we build. Mm-hmm. And I like to remove the stigma. If it's not fully built out right now, there's like nothing wrong with any of us here. Right. We just need to go to the gym, the emotional mental gym, listen to the podcast, work with Amanda, do the things right. We need to build that muscle and make that muscle stronger. Yes. Right? I, I would say that is one thing that I would, I just think it's important for us to know when we're going through an emotional journey and when it feels really intense emotionally and it's like, we think, oh, there's no answer or I'll never feel better. I do want to say you can feel better. There is an answer. The answer is always going to come from the vast reservoir of magnificence that's inside you. And the more that you can build self-trust in the tiniest ways listening to the podcast again next week, doing the, listening to the one with the model. We'll have Amanda link to the one with the model on this one. So you can go and listen to that one, writing out a model, right? You can build self-trust little by little, and you can just let that muscle get stronger and stronger. And then you'll be able to look at anything that happens in your life from this place of trusting that when you make a choice, it's the best choice in the moment. Yeah. And I know not all my listeners take, you know, resonate exactly with all the things I say, but I really do believe, or that my amazing guests say, but I really do believe that every pregnancy we have, every situation we're in, (laughs) is there's a gift inside of it. And so what if the gift that this soul, that this baby, that this pregnancy, that this conception brought to you was to learn to cultivate self-trust. Like what if you invested in understanding and trusting yourself as a result of this conception? Like that is a deeply meaningful abortion right there. Yeah. Do you have to do that work? No, absolutely not. But I mean, I feel like the people who are listening to me usually want to do that work. They just don't understand how. Um, and so, yeah, what if self-trust in this case is the gift that that pregnancy brought you? It is the mother that that pregnancy made you. It's the woman that that pregnancy made you. Absolutely. And I did an episode on self-trust. I'll send you the link so you can put it in the show notes for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really fun and really valuable and I'm excited to, um, to, to share with everyone and to have it there for a long, long time. I didn't, when I started a podcast, which was almost a year ago, mm-hmm. I didn't think about people listening to the episodes 
long after they've been published. (laughs) And now I'm like, wow, that's the best part. Like these are just here all the time and can be listened to over and over and over again by all different people. So I know that this episode will last and be listened to many, many times. And thank you for that. It is my pleasure and my honor. And thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.